And before I begin to speak about the resurrection, allow me to go back, if you will, to three days prior to his death. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. The Bible teaches us that in order for our sins to be forgiven, blood must be spilled. Blood must be poured out. Uh, in other words, there is no forgiveness of sin because we shed tears. There's no forgiveness of sin because we belong to a specific religion. There is no forgiveness of sin because we are a morally good a person in our eyes. The only way sin could be forgiven is blood must be spilled. And then the Bible teaches us here in First uh, Peter chapter 1 verse 18. Listen to the, the verse and the word of God. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestor. And that the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was precious blood of Christ. The sinless spotless lamb of God. We were ransomed. God purchased us away from sin, not using silver and gold, but rather the precious blood of his only son, Jesus Christ. His blood alone creates a pathway for our forgiveness. Religion cannot create that pathway for forgiveness of our sin. Personal morality cannot gain us forgiveness of sin. Only the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, can provide forgiveness for our sins. That's why Jesus went to the cross of Calvary, there where he spilled his blood for you and for me, so that we can have this pathway, as it were, for the forgiveness of our sins. Now, as for his resurrection, it's important that we just note that Twice prior to his being arrested and being crucified on the cross, the Lord told his disciples that he would rise from the dead on the third day. Uh, the references are Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, and then again in Matthew chapter 17, verse 22 and 23. You mark that down, look it up in a little bit when we're done. Uh, but in order for us to fully appreciate the resurrection and the account of it, I'm going to turn to the Gospel of uh, Luke, and I'm going to look at chapter 24, reading the first 12 verses. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? 
He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. The Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead on the third day, just as he said he would. And notice that as the women gave the apostles this account that, they, uh, that Jesus had been risen from the dead, the, the people there, the disciples, they all had difficulty believing that this actually could be true. They, they, they really, it seemed like nonsense, the Bible says. They just couldn't believe that this had transpired, but it in fact Jesus Christ had been risen from the dead on the third day, just as he said that he would. Now, why Jesus rose from the dead, why this is the most important, the, most, the greatest day in, in the history of man, is what we're going to examine for the next few moments. Because if Jesus only provided forgiveness of sin through his death, then that would not be enough for you and I today. And I say that reverently because if Jesus Christ had only provided forgiveness of sin, well, we all know that that wouldn't be enough because we would continue to sin and we would continue to need that forgiveness of sin. There would be no hope for us in a, in a change in our lifestyle. So it's important that we examine why Jesus Christ had to rise from the dead. The Bible says this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. So notice that we are born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. In other words, the cross or the death of Jesus Christ, that creates the pathway for you and I to receive forgiveness of our sins, right? But now the resurrection of the dead, uh, Jesus Christ's resurrection, now that creates a pathway where you and I can be born again. We can experience this new life. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Because if we only receive forgiveness of sin, then that would not be enough. We need a new life in addition to having our sins forgiven. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ creates that pathway whereby you and I might be born again, where we can receive this new life. And let me identify and talk to you about that and see where uh, the Apostle Paul 
under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, also affirms this in Ephesians chapter 2 in verse 4 and 5. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sin, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by grace, uh, by God's grace, that you have been saved. Because he loved us so much, because he's rich in mercy, God not only has forgiven us uh, through the blood, precious blood of Jesus Christ, his death, but also he has given us life. He's given us new life, and that is affirmed through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You and I can experience new life because Jesus Christ rose from the dead on the third day. So now, let me talk to you for the next few minutes about what this new life is all about. First, this new life deals with the freedom from the control of sinful passions. Let's admit it. Every single one of us is born with a sinful nature. That simply means that it's natural for us to sin. It's natural for us to disobey and break God's commandments. We all are governed by these passions that well up within us that are sinful passions because they are contrary to God's ways. Every single one of us is born with this sinful nature, and we're controlled by these passions in that they dictate to us how we're going to live our life. So we are in great need of not just forgiveness of our sin, but we are in great need of a new life, a life that's not controlled by sinful passions. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ creates that pathway for new life whereby you and I can be free from the control of these sinful passions. This new life that's provided through the resurrection of Jesus Christ enables us to live righteously before God. You see, it's not by human effort that we can obtain righteousness. It's not by human nature that you and I can uh, do and say all the things that are right in God's eyes. We've all been in that place where we have tried our very best to live right only to fail so miserably. No, the Bible teaches us that it is through the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and this new life that now we have a righteousness that comes not from ourselves, but it comes from our Lord Jesus Christ. It, and we are enabled to live right because once we embrace Christ as our Savior, this new life takes place within us by the Spirit of the living God. And it's the Spirit of God that enables you and I to live right before God. And speaking of this spirit, this new life that we're talking about completes us. Because of our sin nature, because we're all born into sin, every single one of us is born separated from God. There's that inner emptiness in our soul that we can't put in the words, we can't describe, but it's an emptiness that nothing that this world has to offer can satisfy. But when we embrace Jesus Christ as our Savior, when we look to, to him and ask him to forgive us of our sins and we embrace him as our Savior, then his spirit comes to dwell 
in our spirit, takes up residence in our, our hearts, and for the first time in our life, we are experienced wholeness. For the first time in our life, our inner soul is satisfied. I'm talking about new life here this morning, a new life that every single one of us can experience. But now here's the thing. In order for you and I to experience new life, the old life has to die. Jesus himself said this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my followers, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. You must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. That taking up of the cross Jesus was talking about simply means you have to deny yourself. You have to deny your, your, your dreams. You have to deny your, your future. You have to deny everything that you want out of life. It has to be the embracing of what God's purpose for your life is. It has to be the embracing of what God's will for your life is. Denying of self. Jesus said, that's the only way you can become my follower. That's the only way you can become a Christian. You have to die to yourself, to everything that you want, and embrace that which God has purpose and plan for your life. There is no Christianity without a dying to self, you see. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It is no longer I who live, the Apostle Paul declared. Why? Because it's Christ who lives in me. His spirit has taken up residence in my heart, and now I, I, I'm living in this body, yes, but it is the life of Christ living through me that is taking place. Uh, who I am, who I desire to be, all that I was, that has been crucified. It no longer lives, you see. Christianity, simply put, it's about our old life dying so that we might experience this new life, the life of Jesus Christ flowing in and through our bodies. And this principle is what governs the kingdom of God. The principle of death must precede Life. There has to be death in order for us to experience life. This principle governs the very kingdom of God. There is no Christianity without death preceding life. Now, here's the issue why I believe so many struggle with this incredible principle that God has put in place. Let's go back to our Lord and Savior and how he was able to surrender his life on the cross. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Because of the joy awaiting him, he, meaning Jesus, endured the cross. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. See, 
because the Lord Jesus Christ knew the outcome, because he knew that he would rise on the third day, he was willingly surrendered his life on the cross. Because he saw his resurrection, because he knew it was going to take place, he willingly surrendered his life. Because he saw what would happen, that he would not only rise from the dead, but ultimately he would ascend to the right hand of the Father, where he lives at this very moment, if you will. Uh, because he knew that, because he saw that, he was able to surrender his life on the cross because he knew that his death would provide forgiveness of sin and his resurrection would provide a pathway for new life because he knew how it would impact your life and my life. He willingly surrendered his life on the cross of Calvary. Let's remember even the, his own words in John chapter 12, verse 24. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. You see, Jesus knew if I surrendered my life on the cross, then I will not only pay the price for people's sins to be forgiven, but it will create a pathway for new life, and there will be a harvest of souls. And because of what he saw, the Bible says he endured the cross. He surrendered his life. Now, unlike Jesus, the reason that we often refuse to embrace God's purpose for our life, why many refuse to look at, to the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, is because they cannot see beyond the cross. You cannot see beyond death. I remember uh, so many years ago, when I was a young man and lost in sin, struggling as a drug addict, my biological brother shared the gospel with me and urged me to embrace Jesus Christ as my savior. And I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that I needed my sins to be forgiven, but I struggled in that moment and I rejected uh, what he, the gospel that he presented to me because in my mind's eye, I could not see beyond that moment. I felt if I say yes to Jesus, the lifestyle that I want to live will be over and I just don't see, cannot see a, a, a better life than the one that I want to live right now. And isn't that, that the way why so many of us in the beginning would say no to Jesus Christ? Many people refuse and reject Jesus Christ as their Savior because they look at that and say, man, being a Christian, that's the worst thing in the world. That's the most boring thing in the world. I can't see my life as a Christian. I can't see giving this up. I can't see giving that up. I won't enjoy life. And so we, because we can't see beyond the cross, beyond that death that, that happens in our life, because we know we'd have to give up the way, the way we're currently living, and we can't see how the, uh, next, the other life would be better, we often reject the Lord as our Savior. And it's also why even many of God's people, 
after they embraced Jesus as their Savior, struggled to spiritually grow. Each phase of spiritual growth requires a new dying. Remember I said, the kingdom of God is governed by this principle. There is no life without there first being death. Death must precede life. And when we look at this Christian journey, growing spiritually is all about this process whereby there's an event that transpired, God brings up us to a place where something in our life has to die in order for you and I to embrace that which God wants to do, the new thing, if you will, that God wants to do. And the problem we have, why so many Christians struggle even in their spiritual journey with the Lord, is you can't see beyond that moment. God desires for us to let go of a relationship that we shouldn't be in. And, and, and because we struggle at that moment saying, I can't see life without that person. I can't see how it would be better. And in that moment, because we can't see beyond our death, we tend to say no to God. We reject his direction for our life. We look at death as final in that hour and something that we don't want to experience because we don't think that there's anything better beyond that point, you see. And that's why we struggle in this journey oftentimes. The struggle to say no to the old life is simply because we can't see that the new life will be better. But the Bible says this, in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we know this scripture so well. And we know that God causes everything. Come on, you at home, say that out loud. Say that word out loud, everything. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God works everything together for the good. You see, that's a great scripture to quote, and it's easy to quote it. It's another thing to live it by faith. Because when God brings us to that point where he asks us to surrender something, now we have to believe, we have to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that this thing that God is asking me to give up, that God is asking me to surrender, that has to die, God will work it out for my good. Good is going to come out of this thing. Good is going to come out. When I surrender that relationship that God is telling me I shouldn't be in, good is going to come out. That means God has a better relationship down the road for me. Uh, when I say yes to the Lord in whatever capacity that God has asked me to say yes to, it's because good will come as a result of that, you see. Only when you and I truly see, truly understand this principle that God will work everything out for the good, will we say yes to picking up our cross and following the Lord Jesus Christ? Because we know, though this aspect is dying, new life will come because God causes everything 
to work for the good. Let me encourage you today. You may be looking at it and say, well, I'm not sure how that's going to work out because my wife and I, we've been having some struggles. And, and if, I, if, if I say yes to what God wants me to do, uh, she'll take advantage of me. He'll take advantage of me. Listen to the word of the, of the Lord. If you die to yourself and allow the spirit of God to move, you will find that good will come. New life will come. New life will come into your marriage if you die to your old ways. New life will, will come into your marriage if you say yes to the Lord and no to yourself. And it's that what principle applies into every facet of our life. We cannot experience new life if we are refusing to let go of the old life. Many of us are asking, why can't I go grow spiritually? What, what is it that's holding me back? I would encourage you to look to the Lord and ask the Lord, is there an aspect of my old life that I'm refusing to let go? What is it about my past? What is it in my life that you have pointed out that needs to be dealt with that I've been struggling saying yes to? Because you are not willing to die is because is the very reason why you're not experiencing the new life that you so desire. God causes everything to work together for good to those who love him. And by the way, everything also means this pandemic. God works everything out for the good. Now again, naturally speaking, people will say, how could good come out of this pandemic? How could God work good out of, out of so many people being sick? How could God work good out of the economy being shut down and people losing their job? What good, Pastor, could come out of that? I mean, there are people that are saying, I, I can't wait until things get back to normal, meaning the way they used to be. But I want to tell you this morning, it is my hope and prayer that we never return back to normal, to the way things used to be. It is my hope and prayer that our old life, the way things used to be, will die so that new life will come as a result of that. It is my hope and prayer that as a result of where we find ourselves now, that spiritually new life will come, a new life whereby we, the people of God, are all in in serving the Lord. You know, one of the things that transpires out as a result of this, it's awakening us up to what really matters in life. It brings me back, the time that we're in now, brings me back to 9-11 when my wife and I, we were living in New York when that happened. And uh, the very day that 9-11 uh, occurred, we had our normal prayer meeting scheduled. And that night, we had standing room only in the prayer meeting. We had people come that we hadn't seen in years uh, showed up at the prayer meeting because all of a sudden now, there was a, a, a spiritual awakening taking place in people's lives. And, and people began to flock back to church. I want to tell you, brothers, there are people in church there today that are still there because they had an, a, a spiritual awakening moment as a result of 9-11. As horrific as 9-11 was, 
physically and emotionally, it was also something incredibly great that God worked out for the good. There was a spiritual awakening that took place. And it's my prayer that as a result of this pandemic, that our old life would be done away with. And that as a result of this, new life will come where we are all in for serving the Lord Jesus Christ. A new life where God's people rise up to be the beacon of hope in this trying hour, where all of a sudden we are not afraid anymore. We're not embarrassed anymore to tell our friends and our family members of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you more than ever before. Uh, take that stand, not only to serve God, but begin even now. You don't have to wait till when we begin to gather back again physically in this house, but begin to serve God now, telling your friends, your family members about your faith in Jesus Christ, encouraging them to embrace Jesus Christ as their Savior. Be the beacon of hope that so many people desperately are looking for. New life where many souls are going to embrace Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. I believe God's going to do, bring in a great harvest of soul as a result of this pandemic, you see. It is my prayer that when we look back on this moment, that history will say this is the hour, or this, excuse me, this was the hour when spiritual awakening occurred around the world. Oh, I hope and pray you will agree with me on that. That's my greatest desire. That's the new life that God can bring. That's the good God can work out of this situation. That as a result of this pandemic, a great awakening will take place, not just in our nation, but all around the world. That we will see a spiritual awakening of souls coming to Jesus Christ and embracing him as their Savior and their Lord. May it be so, Lord Jesus. Resurrection Sunday, the day Jesus Christ rose from the dead. His resurrection creates a path whereby you and I can experience new life. Maybe you're watching here today and you have never said yes to embracing Jesus Christ as your Savior. You may consider yourself a morally good person. You may consider yourself a person that's religious, but personal morality nor religion can gain you forgiveness of sin. It's only through the blood of Jesus Christ that you and I can have our sins forgiven. And if you've never embraced Christ as your Savior, all you need to do is to talk to him and tell him, Lord, I am sorry for my sins. I'm sorry that I've, to this moment I've never embraced Christ as my Savior. But I'm willing to do that here and now. Please forgive me of my sins and come into my heart by your Spirit. Save me in the precious name of Jesus Christ. You lift up your voice in sincerity in that simple prayer and God will respond and do something incredible in your life. And for all my brothers and sisters on this resurrection morning, 
God desires for you and I to experience new life. Now, again, make sure you understand me. When I'm talking about new life, meaning there's a growth that's taking place in my life spiritually. Where I am today is not where I was yesterday. There should be that progression that's taking place in all of our hearts, in all of our lives, where we are growing spiritually. But we've got to understand that in order for that to take place, we must be willing to die to ourselves. We must be willing to die to whatever it is that God points out in our life we need to let go of. If we will embrace the death that God is bringing to our life, then we'll experience the new life that he desires for us. So together, let's close in prayer today because as I close in prayer, the question that we need to examine our own hearts with is, are we prepared to die to our own ways, to ourselves, to the things that we want in order so that we can experience the new life that God desires for all of us to have. Let's pray. Father, I come before you this morning in the precious name of Jesus Christ. I thank you that on that day, Jesus Christ surrendered his life on the cross of, of Calvary. And because his blood was spilled, it provided a pathway for all of us to receive forgiveness for our sins. I thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ. But, Father, I also thank you even more so for his resurrection. For now, not only can my sins be forgiven, but I, I can receive new life. Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, I can receive this new life. We all can receive this new life, oh God, that you have purposed and planned for us. A new life whereby our soul is satisfied. A new life whereby we are living in righteousness in a manner that is pleasing to you. A new life where we are fulfilling the purpose for which you have prepared for all of our lives, oh God, to live. God, I pray for those that this very hour are making a decision for the very first time to embrace you as their Savior. I pray that as they lift up their voice that you would hear from heaven, Father, and that you would forgive their sins and come into their heart and be their Savior. And I pray for those that maybe uh, haven't been walking in your ways, that have been struggling uh, spiritually, and it's Truly because, we, God, God, we've been struggling because we have been struggling saying yes to, to, to the things that you want us to say no to. We have, we have been struggling by, by refusing to embrace the death that you want to bring into our life, the surrender that you are asking us to give. Never truly realizing that because we're holding on to the new, we cannot experience Excuse me, before, because we're all holding on to the old, we cannot experience the new. So, Father, help us to see that today clearly and to trust and to know that if we say yes to laying down the old, we will experience the new. And it will glorify the precious name that's above every other name, the name of Jesus Christ. In his name I pray. Amen and amen. I hope this message today has been a blessing to you. If you said yes to
to Jesus Christ for the very first time, would you let us know? Drop us a line there on social media. Let us know that I gave my heart today to Jesus Christ. If you were one that was struggling as a Christian uh, to say yes to what God has asking you to lay down, let us know that you made that decision to let go, to, to let that thing die in order that God may bring in that new life that he so desires to bring into your heart. I pray today that the word of the Lord will find its place in your heart where it might bear fruit. God bless you all. And as my wife said earlier, stay safe.